0: Hey everybody, it's Melissa. Welcome back to another episode. Today I am gonna talk about parenting as someone on the spectrum. But before we get to that topic, I want to tell you all a little story. I have a little anecdote for you. Um, I just started school back to college. Um, I'm 41. I haven't been in college since 2005 when I went to nursing school. So it's been a minute. So I just started with one class, which is a math class. I'm just easing back in, seeing how it goes. So far, so good. I forgot how much I enjoy math. Um, I really like my teacher. It's all online, so I don't even have to leave my house, which is amazing. Um... So, anyway, we meet on Zoom every morning for an hour, um, Monday through Friday, and something happened on the first day, which is a thing that happens to me and has caused me, uh, I don't know, I feel like I... um, well, I'll just tell the story and then I'll explain. So what happened is he was explaining, my teacher was explaining the difference between an expression and an equation, right? This is algebra. Um, so he says an expression doesn't have an equal sign. An equation has an equal sign. And I was like, Oh, easy. Got it. Check. That makes sense. So we move on. So we're, a few minutes later, we're all going over a question together, uh, a math problem, and it's an expression. There's no equal sign. So we're simplifying the expression, which basically means you're solving it. So by the end, you have an equal sign. Um, so I asked him, he said, does anyone have any questions? And I said, yes. So this started as an expression, but now it's an equation. And he was like, um well, uh yes. Well, um well, an an equation is usually like um if there's um like an expression on one side and an expression on the other side and there's an equal sign in between the two so that would be an equation there's an equal sign in the middle and I was like oh okay because you said an expression has no equal sign but an equation has an equal sign so I just wanted to clarify and he was like um uh, he's like you don't th- this isn't something that you really need to know I think you're focusing too much on on a detail that's not really important. He's like, it's a great question, but I think you're focusing too much on a detail that's not really important. And I was like, well, if it wasn't important, I mean, I didn't say this out. This is then where I, this is the point where I stop speaking out loud because I feel dumb, (laughs) but in my head, I'm like, well, if it's not important, then why are you explaining the difference between an expression and an equation in the first place? if it's not important, why were you telling us about it? And in my mind, that kind of a detail is really important. Even if maybe we're not ever going to talk about the difference between an equation and an expression again, I would like to know that detail. I still don't have an answer because he was really vague and sort of like danced around the question and was like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess it is, but no, not really. And, but then it's not really important. And I'm like, huh? Isn't this a math class? Answer my questions. So (laughs) this is why I feel like when I was growing up, I had the same type of thing where I would always want to kind of know the details that maybe everyone else found as, like, frivolous. Like, they're like, oh, not important. And I'm like, but I want to know that thing. Like, why why or what or where or how? Like, whatever. And I felt like people always thought that was weird or excessive or annoying. Annoying, for sure. Like, Like, let's just get through this. Can you stop asking questions? So I feel like growing up like that caused me to become more like shy and introverted in classroom situations because, and like, um, hesitate to ask questions. Thank God Google's a thing now because like now when I have a question, usually I'll just go Google it. Um, I'll like write it down and be like, I'll look that up later by myself. Like, I don't want to ask the actual question. Um, so I just thought it was interesting because I'm kind of noticing these things more in my life now, whereas before I would have just been like embarrassed that I asked a dumb question, <laughs> or what was perceived as a dumb question. Um, I mean he said it was a good question, but like in my mind it made me feel like, Oh god, that was a dumb question. Why did you ask that? Why did you take up people's time with that question that's not important, Melissa? Why did you do that? And I would have been really hard on myself, but now I'm like you know what? It's okay. I have a brain that likes to focus on the details and I like to know all of the small intricacies of things and why. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I appreciate that about my brain. So, my math teacher, <laughs> he's a nice guy, but I wish he would have just answered my question. I still haven't Googled it, but I am going to because I, I need to know. If anyone out there is a math whiz and knows the answer, let me know. So anyway, I just wanted to tell that story. Um, so yeah, parenting on the spectrum. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about some of the ways that being an autistic parent hinders me and then some of the good things about it. Cause there are positives too. Um, I don't only want to focus on the negatives or the hardships all the time. Um, But if you're a parent, you can probably relate to some of these. Um, I might also add that both of my children are neurodiverse, and I, you know, I've already said that in other episodes, but in case this is your first episode you've listened to and you don't know this, um, yeah, my daughter has ADHD and autism, and um, she also has sensory processing disorder, obviously, I mean, that, I feel like that most of the time comes hand in hand with autism, but, um, sensory processing, um, and, uh, (laughs) she was diagnosed with OCD, but I'm not sure now if that's, I mean, I feel like it's just part of her autism, but anyway, so that's, that's her and my son, um, just got diagnosed with ADHD, uh, not too long ago, and he's an adult, he's 23, and he might also be autistic, we're trying to figure that out, because now that I'm on this journey, he's like, oh wow, okay, uh, because we're a lot alike and have a lot of the same struggles and, uh, traits and things like that, so, anywho, so we're all just a big old bag of neurodiverse people over here in my family. My partner also has ADhD so um I feel like that helps because I think we all kind of understand each other a lot better. We're all kind of on this you know existing on the same wavelength, which is nice um, so that's good but uh i one of the biggest things that has made me really happy about discovering that I'm autistic is, um, that I've been able to be a lot easier on myself about things that I've always felt I was lacking in the parenting department. Um, I've always, I felt like a really good parent in some ways, but in other ways I felt like a huge failure. um, because I don't fit the norm. I am not your stereotypical mom. And of course, when you're a parent and you're looking around at other moms and what everyone else is doing and the kind of lives that everyone else are living, you can get kind of hard on yourself and be like, why am I not like that? Why don't I have that? Why don't I do that? Um, I used to joke with my partner all the time, like when we first got together, um, Gray came in as a as a step parent when Danica was, my daughter was, uh, it was right before she was diagnosed. I think she was like seven. Um, and I would always joke with Gray about how I'm not a Pinterest mom because there are a lot of moms out there who really like craft things for their kids and they have like and craft things with their kids and they set up like cool activities for their kids or they'll do art projects or they'll make things for their kids' rooms or like um plan these you know have these Pinterest boards for like awesome birthday party ideas and like all of these things and I'd always be like I just not I'm not that's just not that's just not how I roll that's not the kind of parent I am and that would often make me feel um bad or guilty because of just looking around and being like, oh, you know, so-and-so just threw this great birthday party for her daughter and, uh, you know, this other person. This is all on social media, by the way, which social media is horrible for this comparison sickness that we all get. Um, But it's like, you know, looking on social media and it's like, oh, me and my kids are doing this fun craft today. And oh, I made them homemade Play Doh. And oh, we made homemade sparkle slime. And oh, we did this project outside with bubbles. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do any of that. (laughs) That would make a huge mess. You got to go buy all the stuff. You got to make a list. You got to go to the store. You got to clean it up. You got to, like, mmm no. I don't want to. Anyway, I got on a tangent there. So, I'm going to go down my list and talk about some of these things that um that have been a difficulty, a struggle as a parent who is on the spectrum. So, um the first thing is that I don't really have very many friends. Um and the friends that I do have um so just like I said, I'm, I'm not a typical mom. Therefore, I, I don't really make friends with moms. <laughs> I don't have any friends who are moms. Like the few friends I have are single people without children. And so how that affects my parenting is like, there are a lot of moms who have a lot of other mom friends. And they get their kids together with each other. Like, they'll have, they're like, go on, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When I'm like trying to think about what moms do with each other. They'll go to, like, the park on, like, friend dates with their kids and, like, have a picnic or go do whatever. It's like, oh, look at us, the whole group. And I look at that and I'm like, uh, how? Like, uh, I don't know. I just, mm, So I feel like that, that does affect my kids in a way. It's like, especially it's summer break right now. And I'm like, if I had friends with kids, we could like figure out some stuff to do together. So maybe my daughter wouldn't be just like bored sitting in her room. I will say though, luckily my daughter is also autistic and really enjoys spending time alone in her room. (laughs) She's twelve and she's like I was when I was twelve, thankfully, and is just like, I'll just be alone. I don't care. Like she's not like hounding me to be social. Like I said, this is all stuff that I've built up in my own mind as things that I should have for my kids and things that I should be doing for my kids. Um now I can kind of look at it differently and be like, this is what society wants, but this is not what I want. I don't need mom friends if I'm, if I happened to make an, a mom friend that I clicked with, um, that would be great, but it hasn't really happened yet. So I'm not counting on it happening. (laughs) I've been a parent for many, many years and yeah. So yeah, so that's the first one. Lack of friends. Um, there have been times in the past. So this is sort of like, connected to the first one is that I can't maintain friendships. Don't know how, no idea how to do that. So in the past, when I was trying to conform more, I would try and make friends with other moms and we would hang out a couple times with our kids together and stuff. Um, and, but then we would stop and I would feel bad about that because it's like my, 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 kid would have a fun time with their kid and like start becoming friends. And then I wouldn't be able to maintain my relationship with the parent and it would just like fizzle out. And that happened a few times and it was like kind of a bummer because I was like, oh cool, this is happening. And then I was like, nope, not happening. So that's a thing. Um, another thing that makes parenting a little bit difficult or challenging sometimes is, uh, the whole like special interest thing for me, uh, I, it's made me feel real selfish in the past because when I, um, have an interest, I get hyper-focused on that interest. I really want to engage in it a lot. I get kind of obsessy about it. I get tunnel vision about it sometimes. Like, You guys know, if you're listening, you probably know. Um, and that's hard as a parent because if you're engaging in these types of things frequently, you feel guilty because maybe that's time you should be spending with your child or doing something else that will benefit your child in some way. Um, now I can look at this in a different way of like, um, you know, it's good that my kids have gotten to see, have gotten to have a mother who has passionate interests. Um, and I'm not abandoning the things that I love just to be, just to exist solely as a mom. Um, I can be a mom and I can also be a human being who has other interests. Um, but being able to, uh, balance my own interests and feeling like I am spending enough time engaging with my children is difficult. Um, that is a really difficult part of parenting. Um, another thing that's a struggle sometimes is patience. Uh, I definitely have a lower patience threshold. I think I did an episode on this uh, (laughs) earlier. Uh, But my reactions to things tend to be a little larger and a little more emotional than some. Uh, And my kids have seen me have meltdowns. They have. And I hate that. I hate that that's happened Uh, When my daughter was younger, she used to have uh, meltdowns quite often. This was before we knew she was autistic, and I would end up melting down, too. Um, And I obviously didn't know I was autistic, either, so it, it was... I just felt horrible. I felt like a horrible parent. I felt like I was just losing my temper, losing control of myself. I didn't know what it was like. I'm like, oh God, I'm such a bad, like, why can't I keep it together? Um, now I know why I couldn't keep it together. Uh, because I was highly, highly, highly overstimulated and I, my brain cannot, uh, handle that type of thing. Now I know that I can look back on those times and still be cringy about it, but be like, okay, like I'm human. I didn't know uh, any of this and oops like I guess you just have to move forward from those things but uh, patience patience is a big one uh, yeah that one's just hard I, I can't really say anything else about it except it's hard sometimes um, I do I do have some strategies in place that I try and use when I feel myself becoming impatient with my with my children. But I have explained to my daughter, who is my more challenging child, my younger one, uh, she's more challenging. She definitely challenges me more by just being, she pushes back a lot. She has a lot of her own very strong opinions and she doesn't always do as she's told. And she also wants to know why? Like, why are you asking me to do that? Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't like, I'll do it later. Like there's, I'm like, you should, you <laughs> should tell her she should be a lawyer because everything is an argument with her. It's like, she has to know why she has to know, you know, all of the things, which sounds familiar to what I was talking about at the beginning with me and the math problem. But, um, <laughs> and I've explained to her, you know, cause we'll sometimes argue And I've just been like, you know what? I'm a mom, but I'm a human. And I sometimes get mad at you. And you sometimes get mad at me. And we sometimes argue with each other. And that's okay. Like, as long as we're arguing in a healthy way, which we do. And, you know, we're allowed to get mad at each other sometimes. And frustrated with each other sometimes. And that's just going to happen. And she seems to understand that. So that's good. I don't know. I'm trying. Anyway. Another thing that's hard inflexibility. So, when you have kids, especially little kids. This is getting easier. Of course, I mean my son's old now and he no longer lives at home, but like my daughter too as she's getting older, it's it's a little easier. Um but especially when you're when your kids are little, it's planning can be hard, like planning in advance too much or having too much of a routine. Um, Because things change a lot when kids are in the mix. Um, And it's just, you know, you can't live your life fully by your own rules anymore. When you're a parent, you can't structure your day according to just you and your mood and your feelings and your wants and your needs. uh, Because there's another person or more than one person who you are tasked with taking care of in the mix. And uh, you have to be flexible as a parent. You just do. You, And so it's hard. I've learned how to be better at it, for sure. Uh, but it's still really uncomfortable and really messes me up sometimes. So yeah, this one is just hard and it will probably remain hard. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, okay, another one is that I do not enjoy group activities. And by group activities, I mean like bake sales, PTA meetings, sporting events. I will never volunteer in my child's classroom. I've tried. Oh, I've tried. I don't like classrooms. Classrooms are full of very loud, very strange children who have sticky, sticky hands. Why? Why are the hands always sticky? Every surface is completely covered in germs, I'm 100% sure. It's just, for me and who I am, it is too much. I've tried a few times uh, to be like the mom who volunteers for like the Valentine's Day party And I think the last time I volunteered for anything was when, um, my daughter's class was going on a field trip to the pumpkin patch for Halloween, and we had to take, like, a 30-minute bus ride out to this pumpkin patch, and I was like, oh, sure, I will volunteer to be a chaperone on this trip to the pumpkin patch, and it was too much for me, you guys. And I've honestly, we had fun at the actual pumpkin patch like that. It was fine. But on the way back, I I feel like it was just too much stress and stimulation for me. And I nearly almost had a panic attack on the bus ride back to the school. And it was awful. And I was like, Oh, God, please don't let this happen. And if you've ever had a panic attack before, (laughs) like a true panic attack, you know that like, when you can feel it coming on and you try and resist it, if you're like, oh God, no, 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 no. Like that almost makes it worse because then you're like panicking about the panic and that's when you can like really go off the rails. Um, Thankfully, it didn't go, it didn't happen. I was able to um, calm myself Somehow distract myself. I I don't even remember. I don't remember how I did it or what I did, but I did not have a panic attack, thankfully. But I just imagine what it would have been like if I did. Oh God, and it wouldn't have been good. So anyway, that was when I decided that I was done doing that kind of thing, and. I've always felt guilty about that also, because again, society tells us like the good moms are the ones that, you know, contribute in these ways. And, um, sporting events is a different, is a different problem for me as far as like, I can go to those. That's fine. Like my son was in a marching band for four years in high school and it was like a competitive marching band program. So they would go to actual like marching band competitions. Um, and I was all about it. I loved marching band. I love music. I, it was great. I was very supportive. It was awesome. But like, I went to every single competition he had and some other rehearsals But I never made a single friend with any of the other parents. Over four years. Four years of mostly the same kids participating in this event together. And I just always sat by myself. And there were these little clusters of moms that all knew each other and would, like, do things together. And, like, meet at each other's houses and make signs and stuff. And I was just always by myself. uh, By choice. I don't want to do that stuff. I don't want it and there were a couple times when people tried to talk to me or include me and I just don't know how to do it I I don't know how I don't really want to I just want to show up and watch my son and then go home um so yeah it uh, yeah now I know why so another thing moving on um needing more space or alone time. This is again, harder when your kids are little, uh, because they need you a lot. And like, if there's a day that happens where like they skip their nap, you want to lose your mind because you've had like no time to yourself for that whole day. Like I remember counting down the the minutes to nap time and being like, Oh God, almost nap time. It's almost nap time. Like, I just, I need, I need an hour. I need an hour to myself, please God. And then it would happen and I'd be like, oh, thank God. Um, now that my kids are older, my daughter pretty much, if I'm like, hey, I need a little bit of time alone, she'll let me do that. She'll just go in her room and be by herself and I'll go in my room and be by myself and it's fine. It works out better. But, um, I feel like this would be more of a problem if I had multiple children or younger children. Uh, I don't know how moms do it. I honestly don't moms who are in that situation who are autistic do it. I I have no clue. Cause me even having one, one small child at a time, cause my kids are 11 years apart. Um, that was hard for me. It was hard not ever having alone time or having a very minimal amount of alone time. So, um, and the last thing I want to talk about that's been a little more difficult for me is sometimes not really knowing how to teach my children or talk to my children about certain things. Um, I guess using like friendship as an example, um, like not really like if my kids come to me with a problem about like oh well like how do I make friends or this person said this to me what did they mean by that or whatever it's like oh gosh I don't know like uh I can't help you there like I don't I don't know um maybe we want to talk to a neurotypical person about this but no one in my family is neurotypical so what do you do let's find a book um can we google it um sometimes um teaching them like, okay, so my son had a friend who in high school who obviously was not on the right path. It's obvious now looking back I mean it was obvious then, uh to, but I didn't really have the wherewithal I feel like a different parent maybe a neurotypical parent would have been like hey you're not allowed to hang out with this person she seems like bad news but for me I couldn't calculate that in my brain that she was bad news it was more just like um I knew there was a struggle going on but I guess my mind interprets things differently I don't really know how to explain this one. I'm trying to think of, like, words to... I, I guess looking back, I wish I would have been like, uh, this isn't a good person for you to hang out with. My son figured it out on his own, thankfully. It was just like, after a little while of being friends, was like, uh, this person... She seems kind of crazy, to be honest, and I... it's just... that's not my vibe, and I'm not gonna be friends with her anymore, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but maybe, I guess, boundaries that would be that would be classified under boundaries. I'm not real good with boundaries, setting them, knowing which boundaries are appropriate in which situations. Um yeah, maybe that's how that's where it fits in. Uh and that's kind of an important thing to be able to teach your kids about boundaries. I think I'm getting better with that stuff now because I've really been making a conscious effort the past few years to get better about boundaries because I'm tired of getting burned by people um and uh, I think boundaries make life a lot easier if you're if you can be smart about them um it's just being smart about them is hard (laughs) especially when your brain works differently and you want to trust everyone and you don't always see people's bad intentions um so yeah but I do want to talk about the positives. This is turning into a longish episode, but it's fine. You guys are here for it, right? Especially you parents who are maybe nodding in agreement, hopefully, with some of these things. Um, so, the positives. I, as an Autistic person, am very accepting of my children and of others. So, And I feel like the autistic community as a whole are by default a lot more of an accepting group. We're an accepting type of people. Um, you know, I, I'm not real judgy. Maybe that's why I couldn't tell my son not to be friends with that girl. It's like, Oh, you know, whatever. I'm not real judgy. I'm not real, uh, whatever. It's like, Whoever someone wants to be, let them be it. Like, I mean, as long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, it's like, do what you want to do, be who you want to be, like, love who you want to love. Um, whatever. Like, uh, my son is trans, he came out at 15. And I was like, oh, like, okay. And, uh, we navigated that together. We, You know i helped him find a therapist so he could start so he could get a note to start transitioning like we helped i helped him through the all of the stuff at school that needed to be you know we got his name changed like everything that needed to be done it wasn't like nothing about me fought it it was just like oh well i guess this is who he is like that's that like just being accepting and i think that that's a good thing to show your children of just like let people be who they want to be. You know, for the most part, like I said, if you're not hurting anyone or yourself. Uh, um another positive is that uh this sort of ties in with the first one, but like I'm not really a conventional type of person. Um I would consider myself weird. I I am a self-proclaimed weirdo. I don't think there's anything wrong with being weird. I don't think the word weird is negative. I think that being weird is okay and even preferable to me, like I really don't care to be normal. Um, and I think this shows my kids that it's okay to be different or to go against the societal grain. You know, you don't have to fit in. You don't have to be like everyone else. You don't have to do this or that or the other thing. Um, even though I have in the past tried to fit myself into those conventional boxes, I've tried so hard. Um, but at my core, I've always been unconventional. That's why those boxes never, ever worked out in the long run. As much as I tried to force myself in, uh, they could never hold me those boxes, let me tell you. So my kids know that I'm different, they love me, and I think that gives them permission to embrace their differences too, and their inner weirdos. Um, Another thing that's positive about being a spectrum parent is I do have that deep level of empathy, and the... The whole idea of course that people who are autistic don't have empathy is false, so false. Like even if you are an autistic person who um shows empathy in a different way. My daughter is one of those. My daughter's a very empathetic person, but you cannot tell. <laughs> you can't tell sometimes because she shows it in a very unconventional way. Like someone who doesn't know her may perceive her as being um I don't know. I don't want to use the word cold, but just very like not empathetic. Very much. I don't Is there a word unempathetic? Is that a word? Uh I can give an example like uh we had a pet pig his name was Kevin. And we had Kevin for a little over a year. He was our sweet sweet baby. Um he lived in the house. He was a pet pig. He was the first pig we ever owned. We have two others now, but he was our first pig baby. And I'm obsessed with pigs. And Pigs are my special interest, one of them. And I was so excited to have a pig, whatever. Anyway. Um, but he passed away. He got really sick. We don't know what was wrong. We tried to help him. No one could, we treated him. We, We just, none of the vets knew what was happening and he ended up dying. So, when Kevin died, I have a very hard time with loss sometimes. Um, And Kevin's loss hit me hard. I was very upset. I was, like, so, so sad for a long, long time. Uh, But my daughter knew this. So, when Kevin died and we told her, like, she knew he was sick, but then she went to her dad's and, like, she came back and he was gone. And we were like, okay... Kevin died and she was like oh so where is he we're like well we took him to get him cremated which we then we explained what cremated was and she was like oh okay so when do we get his ashes and um, we were like oh like in a couple weeks and she was like okay and we were like if you're sad that's okay like if you need to cry and she's like no I'm okay we we're like okay and it was like alright <laughs> So that to like an onlooker would be like, oh, well, that kid doesn't care that her pet just died. That's weird. Um, but she did care because she went in her room and she, uh, drew a lot of pictures of Kevin and in all of the pictures he had wings, like he was an angel pig. And she gave one of the pictures to me and I still have it framed. She had printed out a picture and said like, Um, Kevin was a flying pig now, like, but, you know, like he was in heaven. Um, and she found a piece of his hair, uh, somewhere, I don't know, and she like taped it to the wall next to my bed. And she's like, look, mom, I, I taped this hair to the wall so you can feel like Kevin's close by so you don't have to be so sad. And, you know, she's very matter of fact about all of this. She shows no emotion, um in a typical way that you would expect. Uh, but the emotion is there. It's in there. The empathy is there. She, she drew me a picture and she taped the hair to the wall cause she could see that I was sad and she was trying to make me feel better. That's empathy. Um, so empathy doesn't have to be, um, crying when your pet dies. You know, I guess that wouldn't fall under empathy. That would fall under like, emotional reaction um that would fall under sadness but her being able to empathize with with me being sad um looked different it was very straightforward it was very matter of fact it was it was very it appeared unemotional the way she approached everything um but my daughter has very deep empathy she just shows it differently um So anyway, that was a whole tangent about empathy. But anyway, um, I have a lot of empathy. I feel things very deeply and I feel even more deeply for people that I'm really close with. And my kids are, of course, the two people that I'm most connected with in the world. Um, And I do have a lot of empathy for them. And when they're having a feeling, I feel like I'm having the feeling. And it really helps me to connect with them and to always see their point of view. Um, Because I think... There are a lot of parents out there who don't do that, who are so hung up on being the parent or being right that they sometimes um, don't take the time to feel what their kids are feeling or put themselves in their kids' shoes and be like, hey, this, this kid is a person too. Like, like, I need to explore how they're feeling and, and all of that. So um, I do have empathy, that deep empathy where I can really connect with my kids in that way. I'm going to take a sip of water because I've been talking a long time. Okay. Last thing. Then I'll be done because... Look here. Oh, lordy. It's been 40 minutes. Um... The last positive thing is... I'm a very open and honest person. Uh as you can tell by this podcast and me just spilling my guts all the time, but I do, I am a very, I'm an open book pretty much. Like I don't hide a lot. I don't beat around the bush a lot. There's not a lot left unsaid. And I feel like this benefits me as a parent just because I'll talk to my kids about anything. I don't want to hide stuff from them. If there's something going on in the world, they can know about it. They can ask questions about it. We can talk about it. I'm very open about topics of, like, drugs, alcohol, sex, gender, sexuality, um, one of my daughter's favorite shows, and mine too, is RuPaul's Drag Race, and there are a lot of things that (laughs) my 12-year-old is learning, (laughs) you know? We've learned about tucking, we've learned about, you know, um, a lot of gay culture, There are just a lot of things that come from being open-minded and honest with your kids to where it's like, that's just how I live my life and I'm not going to be different for my kids, you know? They're people too and they're growing up and they need to know all of the things, so I'm just open. It's important. So... Those are all of the things. Whew, that was a lot to talk about, guys. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm starting to run out of words. It's been almost 43 minutes of talking. Thank you for listening. This is something I really wanted to talk about because... I don't know, I've just been thinking about it a lot lately since since all of this... um, all of this stuff started happening, you know, with me realizing I'm autistic and, uh, looking back and seeing everything through a different lens and from a different perspective and forgiving myself for some of these things that I used to be really hard on myself about. Um, now I can just accept this as part of who I am and, my kids are going to love me even if I don't volunteer at their class parties, you know? That's not what makes a good parent. It's really not. I mean, if you're a mom or a dad who can do that, amazing. I feel like that's cool. But if you're not, then you're not. And you can be a good parent and be there for your kids in other ways, and that's okay too. So I'm not going to overstimulate myself anymore by trying to go do things that I'm not meant to do in life. Like be around a bunch of loud, sticky-handed, weird kids. Anywho, that's all I got to say today, guys. Uh, As usual, if you want to reach out, you can contact me via email. Or on my Instagram, both of which I will leave in the show notes. Um, some of you that are listening on other apps like Spotify are saying that you can't see the show notes, which I don't know why. Um, but just in case, if you can't see the show notes and you want to find me on Instagram, it is at Missy, M I S S Y, dot misfit. M-I-S-F-I-T. That's my Instagram handle. Because Missy is my nickname, and I'm a misfit. Let's face it, always have been. Always will be. Okay, on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. I hope you guys all have a great day, and I'll talk to you next time. Okay, thanks, bye!